I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness. I'm Shelley Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. Hello and welcome to Indie Book Talk. Today, we have Elizabeth Spann Craig with us. She is a best-selling cozy mystery author. And when I say author, I mean she's written more than 40 books. It was amazing. Yeah. My first question is, how? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think part of that is just that I've been doing this for a while now. Um, and then a lot of it is just uh, planning. And I, I guess I do, it depends on the year. I think last year, I wrote an excessive number of books, just because it was the pandemic. And I don't know what else I did all year. I think I may have written five or six books. I'm not sure. In a all. year? I know. What? <laughs> absolutely absurd. But when I look at my journal from 2020, I'm like, I did nothing. Apparently, I just every week I wrote in my journal, and I just apparently would write down what happened in the news and what I was writing and what I was reading. And that's all I did. So. <laughs> well, but even still, okay, so five, six books last year. That's still 35 other books. I mean, yeah. You're not in your 80s, so <laughs> this this like is still a, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting there, but yeah, <laughs> it's still a significant amount of output. <laughs> it is. I, I think actually, you know, with with cozy mysteries, which is what I write, the series are so important that you get into the rhythm of them. And I discovered also a couple of years ago, I guess it's been now, that I can write two books at the same time. Um, which sounds a little crazy. I've got one of them, though, in first person and one in third, and that helps me to keep them Mm. kind of separate. And once I realized that, I was like, okay, so I can do one book in the morning and one book in the afternoon. (laughs) I know it sounds just insane. I really don't have very much of a life, clearly. (laughs) So you're definitely a full-time writer then? Full-time, that is correct, yes. Okay. But so, you, know, you kind of have to be if you're just that's what you're making a living at. And that's the only thing then then it really does help to be productive. Yeah, no, 100%. So what made you decide you one in first person and one in third? That is an interesting I, I don't even really know. I think what my original thought process was for the book that I read in first because I've never written in first person before was that I was trying to get a handle on the sleuth. And I thought, oh, maybe if, and I can, I wanted to present her to the readers in an intimate way. And I wanted to get to know her and get inside her head. And I think I thought it would be a technique to do that. And it seems like it works out pretty well for that reason, um, because this is kind of an introverted person. And it helped me to, to kind of get a grip on who she was and to present who she was to the readers. How many series do you have? I have three active series, and I have one series that is kaput. Um, unfortunately, Penguin, the the editor who managed that series, had to leave uh, the company, and that means you're orphaned, which is kind of a terrible term in publishing. Hmm. Um, no other editor. I had an editor for like half of a book. Um, I think it was book five or something in that series. And um, they, you just don't have anybody to go to bat for you in editorial meetings anymore once your editor goes. So um, that's sort of how series end up ending sometimes. Hmm. Uh, then- so readers don't be mad. Sometimes yeah. it's not the author's <laughs> fault. 
I, I do get emails still about that series, and I always feel so bad. I'm like, well, if it was up to me, but I can't get the rights back because it was a writer wow. for hire um, series, and those rights are tied up with the publisher. Uh, but you do publish some of your work independently. I do. I do all of it independently right now. Well, I say that, but I do have a Dutch series, a Dutch publisher. Um, I'm not writing a Dutch, obviously. It's a translation deal. Um, oh. So I guess I, <laughs> yeah, let me clarify that. She writes 40 books, 40 books, and um, half of them are in Dutch. Yes. That's no. right. <laughs> that would be a good track. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so aside from, from having a Dutch publisher, I am completely independent now. Um, I have, I guess I have, was it 10 or 11? I guess 11 traditionally published books. I did get the rights back for the Southern Quilting Mysteries, uh, the character rights, not the rights to the first five or six books in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been good. I, I really like being independent. Was the impetus to go independent this loss of that original editor, or were you already moving in that direction? How did you make that transition? It was definitely both a financial, um, you know, that was pretty much, I would say it would be financially motivated and also circumstantially motivated. I did lose actually two editors. When Penguin merged with Random House, I also lost my editor for the Southern Quilty Mysteries, hmm. which I just hated. I hated that she had um, been let go and she was just such an awesome editor. And they offered me a, a deal over there, but it was, it was for something like, I don't even remember what it was, but they had some sort of an imprint that was digital only. And I was like, well, I don't need y'all for digital. (laughs) You're like, dude, I got this. (laughs) I I, I do digital all the time. I was like, I really don't need you for print either now, but you know, especially when the days that, you know, print had been kind of waning from the, from the stores and that sort of thing. I think now it's having a little bit of a resurgence now. And of course you can't get print books right now. Uh, because all the distribution problems but um you know it just I think those were the the primary motivations and I just make a lot more money actually of course cutting out my publisher and cutting out my agent um just to put it very bluntly uh that's where you get most of your income is um if you can sell direct no definitely that's why we're we're all about the independent people yes (laughs) did your readers care did they notice that you went um, from one publisher to, to independent? I think they did. I They didn't seem to care. I, they did notice because the covers changed, mm-hmm. um, of course. I tried to keep, I could keep some elements um, to show it was branded to the series. But of course, they own the copy of Penguin and Random House own the, um, the copyright for design elements or the, the mm-hmm. designer who did it um, right. obviously did. So they could definitely notice there was a change. They could also notice, though, that they were getting to read more than one book in a series mm-hmm. in a year. Mm-hmm. And previously, Penguin pretty much had me on a one book a year schedule, although I was writing more than one series for them. So I was still getting probably a couple of books a year out then. Um, but it was still very a very plodding pace, you know, just releasing one book in a series in a year. And I know Cozy Mystery readers because I am one, and we want them faster than that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. And so, and I like writing quickly. And I remember I was writing and sending in before my deadlines, 
And other writers were telling me, oh, you know, Elizabeth, you really shouldn't do that because they're going to they're gonna take advantage of that. And I was like, I wish they would take advantage of it because, you know, now I've just got this one book a year coming out. And I practically forget what the, the storyline is. And <laughs> I don't feel like I'm in the story world anymore. It's that much harder. So for all the stuff you're doing on your own now, so getting the book covers and sending out for editing, are, are you finding any of that challenging or feel more comfortable doing it all on your own? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think at this point, I've got this dedicated team of people who help me out because all I really know how to do is write. Um, I, I do use programs like I'm, I'm currently trying Atticus for formatting, which seems like it's working out really well. Um, I've used uh, Drafted Digital for formatting. If I ever run into some formatting pr uh, problems, I've got a guy who does a great job with um, helping me out with that. Um, my cover designer, designer um, Carrie Clywider, is is fantastic, and she. Uh, I just get on her calendar many months ahead of time. <laughs> Um, before I even have a concept for a book, I'm like, can you just, can I be on your calendar in three months? And so every three months, you know, we have a date. And then like the week before, I'm like, okay, I've got to get this concept absolutely nailed down <laughs> before she does this cover. That's um, nice. So you basically have your own team now that you always go to for your things. Yes. I, um, I first went independent in 2011 with the Myrtle Cliver series, which was with Midnight Inc., which is now completely kaput. Um, but they had dropped me after the first book. And that's my Myrtle Clover series, which is probably actually my most successful um, series. Um, definitely one that I felt really passionate about. But that was another series where I lost my editor. I had like terrible luck with, with my editors. Um, he moved to a different publisher, as a matter of fact. Um, so I ended up with a publisher who just, I mean, an editor who really just did not understand what I was trying to do. An octogenarian sleuth. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, she thought I had just flipped out. I think she was like, can we make her slightly younger? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I really well, wanted her to be an octogenarian. That's the hook guys. That's, yeah. that's, that's the thing. That's it. Oh, well, apparently there weren't a lot of senior sleuths out there at the time. Um, so that, that didn't go very far with Midnight Inc. But I got my rights back and that worked out really well for me. And you have, I think, 19 books in that series now? I do, yeah. Oh, my God. I know, it's ridiculous. I know, it really is. But then I think about MC Beaton and I was like, oh, my gosh, her Hamish McBeth. And, you know, she's just, she was able to just keep putting them out. And they were always so much fun. You know, I just had such a good time reading her her books and just going back and, and visiting with her, um, just the secondary characters, everybody who was part of that world. And I thought, you know, it's it's great. I'm never really struggling for an idea. I think when I get to that point, I'll be like, okay, I got to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this octogenary. Now I can't even say the word. This senior citizen sleuth <laughs> can, can only find so many dead bodies. There's oh, it's definitely the Cabot Cove syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> that town is just piled up with bodies. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I don't write, I don't write mysteries. And when people die in my books, we usually don't, we usually know why there's not, it's not a mystery. I, I do kill a lot of characters, but I'm wondering if you have multiple, multiple series going on, how do you decide which dead body goes in which story? Like where, how do you decide which plot belongs to who? Is there a fight? Do they, is it very clear from the beginning that you know exactly what's happening? 
how do you as the author decide which story to tell where? Uh, and that's that's an interesting question um, from different angles. I, I think I always thought this is terrible, but when I, I guess probably around 20, maybe it was 2015 or so, I found myself keeping, I thought, my best ideas for my independent series and not for my penguin books. <laughs> I think I was realizing, I realized this, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm doing this. Um, but I just felt such a sense of ownership over the independent series. And I guess the professional side of me should have just been like, okay, which one of, which idea does this, who does this work for? Which sleuth? Um, because they definitely approach things differently than sleuths do. But mm-hmm. I, I just found, and now they're all independent. So I, I just sit down, I outline, and I'm like, I'm going to have to come up with an idea for this particular series. And I come up with the idea right then. And I don't have as many just ideas just coming at me all the time as I used to. And maybe it's because I'm writing so much. I just sit down, <laughs> I decide to have an idea. I have the idea. And it's for that series that I'm working on. That is discipline, friends. That <laughs> is. Wow. I love it. I wish I, could, I mean, I'm working on that. And, and you're definitely a plotter. You, you have it all planned out. Uh, I used to hate plotting. Um, but then I ran into a terrible problem um, like three weeks or a month before deadline for Penguin. <laughs> And it was a plot hole that I could not get myself out of. I was like horrified and I had to ask for more time. And I, it stressed me out because my contract basically said I would deliver by a particular date. And I knew that that meant that they could technically take their advance money you know, back. And I'd already spent that money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was sweating bullets, but they did give me some more time. And um, I, since then I have just plotted, I've created my own, um, template that I fill out. And it's pretty good for what I need. I've even got um, a uh, copy of it up on Google Docs that you know, I don't have the link right now, but it's up there for anybody who wants to see it for a cozy uh, mystery. And it's pretty basic, but you know, I've got the book description. I introduce the suspects. I have the, the suspects arcs. Um, and then I have the victims and the second set of interviews, moment of danger, all these different things. I've got the the series tropes because if I don't include one of the little tropes, then I will definitely hear from readers. Yeah, then and, you're not a cozy. Forget it. No. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So I just all the to, reminders and things. Yeah, so fun. that that brings me back to uh, kind of overall. You're always posting things to help authors, oh, which I appreciate. Um, but what made you go that route? I mean, you're always like, here's all these great links, and I. I found myself on many occasions going down a rabbit hole of links because <laughs> they're always very interesting. Um, did someone just really help you when you got started? Is that what makes you want to do that? Or Definitely. I mean, there were so many people who just helped others. Um, Debbie Ohi was one. Uh, Jane Friedman's another. Um, obviously, Joanna Penn um, did a lot of work just sharing links. And I started sort of collecting resources. I wanted to find out more information. I was so excited to be online because when I first started writing and just trying to be a writer, it was in the 90s and there really wasn't any online community at all. I mean, you had to use something called what, web crawler or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) 
And there were maybe forums. I don't even know if they were called forums. They were listservs, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just really very basic. And, you know, you wanted to find information about the writing business and about the craft. And it was really hard to, to get. And so I just sort of expanded what all these other writers before me were doing. And I was like, kept collecting resources. And I've got a um, RSS feed reader. I use Feedly. And it's great. I just, I go through and I read and see, you know, what people are posting. I learn so much that way. And then I just, I share it so others can access it too. I'm just sitting here. I'm sorry. I'm really quiet because I'm sitting here just stunned by the sheer volume of what you're doing. (laughs) It it kind of, when I start talking about it, I feel a little overwhelmed myself. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I don't, I don't think it's kind of like just a normal day for me. Um, but it, it does sound like kind of a lot when I, when I talk about it, but I, there's also, there's so much support out there. Again, um, I like, I've gotten into these YouTube writer sprints that I love and you can just go online and they host sprints and there's a whole bunch of uh, folks who do it at like five o'clock and six o'clock in the morning. And that's my prime oh my writing time. I know it sounds awful. Um, I'm but- still in bed. Yeah. <laughs> so what does that do? So are writer sprints normally when just people sit around and write together? Is there chatting? Please explain. Yes. So they, <laughs> they host it and it's a stream and it's live and they're also recording it. So if you miss it, you can go in later and they'll have usually the way it's set up is they'll talk for like five minutes and then they'll do a warm up sprint of maybe five to 10 minutes. And then, you know, everybody sort of says what they have completed and what they're planning on doing for the next sprint. So it helps you kind of focus on your goal, just short term goal for the next 10 minutes. And then they'll do a 15 minute and then another 15 and then they'll do a 10 minute wrap up. And then everybody kind of shares what they accomplished. And some people are just there cooking dinner or whatever, you know, <laughs> not at six o'clock in the morning, unless they're in another time zone. That does happen. Um, but everybody's getting things done. It's sort of this air of productivity that's very contagious. I hmm. it's, it's just really helpful. Do you have time chatting. to read? <laughs> oh, reading. yes, yes. No, I read. I love to read. Um, so I'm reading right now the new Andy Weir, the, what is the name uh-huh. of the book? You know, the it's I know the one it is, but I can't think of the name. Project Hail Mary. That. Yes. And it's it's really interesting so far. Um I I read usually a couple of books a week. I do read just about as fast as I as I write actually. I'm trying to kind of expand what I'm what I'm reading, which is why I'm reading science fiction right now. I was gonna Um, say the not a cozy. Are you thinking of expanding out? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I did write one book that was a cozy zombie book that I just. It That's was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> it is, it's everywhere. It's published under Liz Craig because I didn't want to scare my readers too badly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's no on, you know, it's just like a zombie book with no blood and gore. You know, the zombie comes on and then the curtain closes, you know. Um, we don't see that part. Um, but the book wouldn't leave me alone. So I had to write it in between these other books that I was either being paid to write or that I, I was writing on my own. Um, but aside from that, I'm not planning on straying from, from cozies. I just, but I can't really read cozies because it, I'm just worried I'm going to accidentally lift something, you know, it just, yeah. it's a concern of mine. 
Um, well, so that's really, fair when you're writing so much that yes. like whatever's swirling in your head might just end up on the page. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what worries me. So I tend to read kind of um, more psychological thrillers or I read um, a noir lately, The Sundown Motel, that was really good. Oh, um, can I recommend a book? Sure, yeah, <laughs> please. Dark Things I Adore by Katie Latari. I have it, not heard of that. It just came out. She's a main author. Um, it's Source Point Press, I think. And, ooh, it had me. It had me going. And it it's one of those books that sort of, like, drags you along and, like, you think you know what's happening and you think you know and then you find out and then you find something else out and then you find something else out. So it was a really satisfying book. Oh, that sounds awesome. And I just pulled it up and it says Three Campfire Secrets, which sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know where Emma finds time to read either. <laughs> I'm I'm only running a, a freelance business and writing books and promoting oh them and reading them. And now I've started doing, I'm going to start doing miniature book reviews, like one minute book reviews. Oh, that's awesome. Um, on some of the social medias. So that's actually, I'm going to do one for Dark Things I Adore because I adored it. I'm excited. I'm going to add it to my to-be-read list right now. You're both making me feel like quite the slacker. I've got to get my game on here. <laughs> well, you know, you're busy throwing axes and petting adorable animals. So, like, we'll let it, we'll let it go. <laughs> I will say I don't have a day job here. So they're really, you know, sometimes mm. I'm sitting around just looking out the window and going, I really should be doing something, you know, and then I'll get up. No, and no, really. You've done enough. You're okay. To take a break. <laughs> Shelly, don't say that. You're going to get hate mail from her readers. We're like, I need next book now. You're like, we didn't get book 20 because of you. Well, sometimes they'll write me and they'll be like, you know, if you didn't write these other two series, then we would would all be so sick of Fertile. If I just wrote Myrtle Clover books, we would all be so sick of her. We can't, I can't do that. Well, on that, on that note, what do you have coming out next? Can you even keep track of what's, what the next book's? coming out are i know yes, i know, I know. <laughs> you, oh, good. you have uh your next southern quilting book in october coming out you're right title, yes uh needled to death and <laughs> i actually just loaded that for pre-order day before yesterday i think <laughs> so um it's it's it should be up on all the retailers i think it is now so okay, so you, either it's in pre-order right now or it's you can buy it right now, depending on exactly when this episode runs. Yes, exactly. You can find it. So are there <laughs> any other cozy series brewing in your brain? Um, well, I just launched, well, I feel like it's brand new, but the, the Village Library series. And so I'm, I feel like, oh, my gosh, it's so hard starting a new series. It has been so long <laughs> okay. since I had done that. Stop oh right there. Lady, you were on book six. <laughs> that is not starting a new series. Most people are done at six. <laughs> well, it feels brand new still to me. <laughs> um, I guess just, you know, when you get into these books, whatever, 15s and 19s and stuff like that, it just seems like it's the baby series. And I, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've got to hold its hand for a while before it can run on its own. So the idea of starting a new cozy series is sort of terrifying to me, but um, maybe in the next seven or eight years or so, <laughs> if I'm not completely gaga by then, which I might be. <laughs> too, uh, too much hard work. <laughs> when you make up things for a living, it's just, I think it takes a toll after a while. 
Yeah, you have to go, like, suck in new things so that you can make up more stuff. More input, yes, definitely. I I know I put that really delicately. I'm sorry. I realized I said it like that. You know, it's so true. And during, you know, the last couple of years, it's been like, I mean, my input was always kind of minor, you know, because I I was like, oh, gosh, I really just don't leave the house that much because I'm, I'm here and I'm writing and I'm getting my stuff done. Um, but I really miss like working in the library and working yeah. in the coffee shops and stuff. I don't know. Do y'all feel the same? Are you able to get out enough to do that? Because right now I'm, I'm wearing masks out in the you know library. It's just not quite the same. Um, it's just weird. It's just a weird time. I don't know yeah, where don't... you're based, but here in Virginia, there's a lot of outdoor spaces to go sit now. So like Starbucks, you can go sit outside at and that kind of thing and just relax. Yeah, I'm in the um, Charlotte, North Carolina area, and that's true. I mean, I could go farther afield and just find a place that's got some good outdoor sitting. And I have been riding some on my patio um, now that, well, today, of course, we've cut rain, but um, this time of year is usually pretty nice. So I'm looking forward to that. I have no more. Well, I mean, I probably have a lot of questions. Like, I just want to, like, find what magic spell you got to make you be able to write at this volume. But since that's probably not going to happen in one conversation, uh, Shelly, do you have any other questions? No, I just want to suck all the life out of her and use it to write a book. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, no. Y'all are, y'all are making me feel good. I, I appreciate that. Because some days I'm like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> That's what we're here for, to make people feel good. You know? Thank you. Uh, well, thank you for being here. Uh, we've it's always interesting to see somebody who's been on both sides of the the publishing spectrum, uh, traditionally published and indie. And it's uh, good to hear that indie's working out for you. Yeah, it absolutely is. I highly recommend it. And um, it's just a, it's a great way to get your work out there and as broadly as you want to, and to as many readers as possible. Just assemble yourself a good team. That's exactly right. It may take some trial and error, but you'll get it. And where should people look for you on uh, online if they want to keep track of your many, many projects? <sighs> yeah, it, probably my website is the best place. I do try to keep that updated. Uh, I've got reminders on my calendar to keep going back in and update. And that is elizabethspancraig.com. Perfect. Awesome. Yay. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, thanks, thanks for being here. I loved it. She loves us. She loves us. <laughs>